This episode of the Beauté by Abig podcast is brought to you by Osmosis Skincare. Hello and welcome to the Beauté by Abig podcast, your online support community for the aesthetic and beauty industry. Here, we are strengthening and unifying the industry through representation, innovation and education. This is a platform created and dedicated to the aesthetic and beauty industry, valuing unity and advancement. We serve to represent, support and inspire you by connecting you with industry experts, expanding your knowledge through educational pieces and bringing you the latest industry news. This is Beauté by Avic. I'm your host, Stephanie Miller, and today's guest is Dr. Ben Johnson from Osmosis Skincare. Founder and formulator Dr. Ben Johnson is a physician, inventor, and entrepreneur who has spent the last 25 years dedicated to solving some of the world's most challenging skin and health conditions. He holds multiple patents relating to skincare and wellness as a result of his unparalleled research and philosophies pertaining to the skin-body connection. Dr. Ben is passionate about treating skin from within. He has researched the etiology of skin conditions and how they affect the whole body and how to treat them holistically. Dr. Johnson founded Osmosis Beauty with a revolutionary approach that is changing the direction of skincare away from excessive exfoliation and renewing focus on dermal remodeling, barrier and DNA repair, and detoxification. He has found that the skin and body are capable of healing themselves using the proper tools and the removal of toxic influences. Here to discuss the origins of common skin conditions and how to treat them holistically from Osmosis Skincare, today we welcome Dr. Ben Johnson. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Ben Johnson. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a very big pleasure to have you on our podcast today. I'm super excited. And I think all of our listeners are going to be extremely excited because you are renowned in your industry for having and owning more than one skincare brand, but more recently, Osmosis Skincare has just exploded in Australia. And we now have the privilege to talk to you all about your skincare brand, but also all about you. I'd love to start this podcast off by asking you, how did you get into the beauty and aesthetic industry? Well, uh, well uh, once again, thanks thanks for the interest. Yeah, I am. Uh, uh, it was kind of a whirlwind in the beginning because I was uh, training to be a sports medicine doc in Colorado, found out about uh, the, the the first lasers for hair removal uh, were approved. And I've just always been an entrepreneurial spirit. My dad was a physician and uh, he owned a business as well. And so um, I started a clinic while I was still in training to be a um, sports medicine doc. And then about Six months into that, my residency, like I guess I didn't realize I needed to tell them I had a couple of things going on and they're like, well, you can't do both. And I, I just leaped, you know? And so I ended up because of a few years of residency, I'm a general practitioner by definition. So I launched off into that uh, world of uh, aesthetics, 
clinics and um, my vision was I'm going to open one all around the country, you know, I'm going to, you know, and so I started really quickly. I opened six clinics in like six months in uh, four states, ended up at, at before it all collapsed on me. <laughs> uh, I had eight clinics in four states. I'd hired uh, friends and family. Um, I, I made all these crazy mistakes, one of which was, and actually a really interesting one, because as we get deeper into skincare, you're going to realize one of the things that uh, is a big turnoff to me is just, there's a bit of a car salesman approach in the skincare world. Uh, it's a lot of marketing, really heavy in the marketing and not so much in the substance. And so my first experience in that was literally being shown uh, or told that um, this laser hair removal machine that just got FDA approval uh, would kill the hair in three visits and uh, it would be gone permanently. And so I guaranteed that to all my clients and patients. I'm like, hey, uh, listen, uh, you, I know this is new to you. So a lifetime guarantee on your laser hair removal. Wow. <laughs> uh, and, and that, uh, you know, by the time I had my eight clinics, I had 20 machines. I had all my rooms filled with free visits because, of course, hair removal takes longer, especially in the old equipment that was there 25 years ago. And uh, so that quickly cycled down for me. But in my, again, entrepreneurial spirit, I uh, founded uh, Cosmetics, uh, was, which is actually the name of my clinics at the time, and just quickly learned that I had a passion for formulating, you know, I was an effective speaker. There weren't at the time, you know, this is again, 25 years ago, there just weren't a lot of, first of all, non-plastics, non-derms in the industry. Now it's pretty common to see it. But um, also at the time, um, there weren't a lot of physicians going out speaking about formulations directly to estheticians. I really found them to be uh, open to my new ideas more so than like talking with a dermatologist. Um, and as it turned out, dermatologists won't necessarily listen to a general practitioner as much as they'll listen to another dermatologist. Mm -hmm. So it was just a fascinating sort of direction. I was always in the professional medical space, but formulated that, you know, brought in uh, the wrong partner and ended up uh, selling my interest in cosmetics. Um, and then I had about a year where I was, and by the way, but way back in the day, like I, I visited Australia, some, some of your listeners may have like heard me talk 25 years ago uh, on, uh, on uh, my days at cosmetics. So anyway, one of the things that happened to me when I got done, because I, listen, I always teach passionately and I just talked to you about, uh, you know, it's important to be genuine in this industry and uh, to stand behind what you say. And one of the things that I was always standing behind was uh, the ingredients I was using at the time were creating real changes in the skin. And I, uh, but I was teaching things that were the same stuff we learn in medical school that mm. they, uh, you know, the clinicians learn in aesthetic school. Um, and that is, you know, sort of the classic model of acne is caused by a bacterial infection, uh, rosacea is caused by a mite, pigmentation uh, mm. uh, is uh, the result of a melanocyte gone rogue, um, the, none of which I believe today. Um, so we can talk about that journey, but to just kind of put a, a, a summary to the story, I was looking at my own skin and I don't, you know, I guess 25 years ago, so I'm 56. So, mm -hmm. you know, 31. And I noticed that the, my, you know, my aging skin not, had not improved on the retinol that I was using on the ingredients that I was using. Um, and again, back then as well, it was a big antioxidant focus. And I, you know, I teach today, that's such a, a, a much more minority part of a, a, mm. a and so I, I started to just evaluate what 
what was wrong with formulations today? And I ended up sort of conceptualizing what became osmosis, uh, the, the, this idea of a holistic approach where uh, trauma is not part of the picture, uh, an idea where uh, absorption of molecules is one of the most critical pieces of the story. So delivery systems had to be uh, at the top of the list of an ingredient choice. And, um, and the idea of um, combining, I mean, you know, everyone would like to believe there's a magic bullet in skincare. It is not, it is a, uh, it's a group effort. Uh, yes. your skin, you know, your skin is a, like, it's a, the aging process of your skin is a powerful, it has powerful momentum, let's say, especially in this toxic world. And so, uh, to overcome that you need, uh, you know, a small army of, of, uh, holistic fighting agents to, to fight the battle. And so anyway, uh, I, I started formulating then, and then um, the crazy part of the journey for me, and I do take some pride in this because as physicians, boy, I'm telling you what, medical school, school is all about training you how to write a prescription. And it's all about treating <laughs> the symptom and not the cause. And so I really had to break out of that mold and uh, go to this place where it's, what is the source of this? And uh, you know, where are we being exposed or what's happening in the body that is a change that causes someone to develop rosacea, for example. And um, so throughout that journey, all of a sudden now I'm looking at wellness uh, in a whole new light. And so then I really uh, became an expert in wellness and uh, what I like to call targeted wellness, because I'm, you know, I'm not just a big proponent of, oh, take an antioxidant, a multivitamin and a probiotic, you know. I'm almost the opposite of that, as we might get into. And so uh, that's where, you know, osmosis is today. So every day in my class, you know, uh, we were talking, uh, I had a class here in Australia in Melbourne um, over the past couple of days. And so um, I'm always learning. Uh, I'm always wanting to find the next best solution, uh, improve what I have. I, I'm not a big believer in every year or two coming out with a new range of, with an emphasis on C or AHAs or right. That's, that's the marketing part of this industry that I think needs to die off. Um, I'm all about, listen, there's only so much your skin can absorb. Uh, if there are new exciting ingredients that I come across, I'm going to add them to what I already have. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we can get in a little bit more about the details of the formulas, but that's why I think uh, osmosis has had uh, so much momentum lately is because we are pushing the boundaries of the way people should think about their skin and how much, like, I believe we can create, and I know we, I know we are creating permanent changes in the skin, and uh, there just aren't very many brands uh, that are saying that or are capable of that right now. I could just listen to you talk all day, and I'm sure our listeners feel the exact same way. <laughs> I have I have picked up quite a few key words, and that is trauma yeah not 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 creating trauma treating from a, a holistic global approach wellness creating permanent changes in the skin your skincare philosophy of look I'm not just going to come out with another another uh, product for the sake of I'm going to incorporate or maybe change up my formulas to include new exciting effective ingredients and I love most of all what you said about ingredients working in concert with each other rather than maybe mega dosing a vitamin c or you know one particular ingredient calling that your hero how they work symbiotically together to affect the skin permanently and through long-term use in the correct way can you tell us a little bit about 
just back circling back to that antioxidant and that kind of working in concert the ingredients tell us a little bit about why you had and how you figured that one out because not many people have switched on to that yet well because i'm uh you know i like i usually come at things where with my md hat on and not my formulator hat on I uh, was looking at the literature and one of the first things that struck me is I came across an article where they were testing high dose resveratrol on children with leukemia and they had to stop the study because uh, it was killing the kids faster. They, they were dying. And, um, and I was exploring that in my mind. I'm like, what is that? And then um, it wasn't, but maybe I think a decade ago, a massive study came out on megadosing vitamin C and vitamin yes, E. I, I was hoping you'd quote that, uh, that study. <laughs> yes. And uh, my kind of guy, like, I love listen, it. Listen, it was mostly, it was mostly negative outcomes for those people mm -hmm. and everyone scratching their heads. They're like, what's going on? And, um, and I'll tell you the reason why this is true and what, why it drives my philosophy today. And that's essentially this, that your body uh, does have a, a significant number of free radical activities going on every second of the day. And all of those, and, and while we like to demonize free radicals, the truth is 99.9999% of those free radicals are simply driving chemical reactions your body lives off of. They are critical to how your, for example, how your uh, immune cells fight viruses. That's a free radical in the natural killer cells and other cells that literally takes a virus out with an oxygen-free radical. And so I believe leukemia is caused by a virus. And what was happening in that study and what's happening for people who megadose is they are suppressing their immune system. Let me tell you, I was telling the class the other day, we live in an upside down world. The amount of irony and the things we take, like what does everyone do when they get sick? They go take vitamin C and high doses. And I'm like, no, you know, what does everyone do when they get a fever? They go take a Motrin or a Tylenol to reduce their fever when their body is intuitively saying, high temperatures help me kill this virus. So it's a wild ride when you flip that switch and you like start just looking at everything from that slightly different perspective. And so in the case of skincare, um, there's no question, you know, if you're out in the sun, um, a fair bit, you are going to have more free radicals. Those free radicals are going to cause aging and, uh, antioxidants play a nice role in it. But the one thing that I think I do uh, more than a lot of people is I give so much credit to the inherent brilliance and power of the skin itself. And a lot of people don't realize that, uh, glutathione is a three chain peptide, uh, catalase and um, oh my gosh, uh, superoxide dismutase. These are antioxidants your skin carries naturally to fight those free radicals. This is why you can be in the sun for 10, 15 minutes. I don't know so much with you guys in your ozone layer, but <laughs> generally uh, 10 to 15 minutes, you know, without harming your skin. I'm a believer in, in small doses of, of sun exposure because vitamin D is so critical to the health of your body. So what I'm saying is there's already a base in there. And while it's true that if you're going throughout a day and let's say, for example, you're a stressed out person, the stress, the energy of stress, which maybe we even go dive that deep today, but mm. energy of stress, the thought of stress is a frequency pattern that hurts and causes free radical activity in the body. And so, um, you know, antioxidants do make sense there, but again, always in moderation because you can't, you're nowhere, you're not going to be able to guess the precise amount that would just squelch the bad guys enough, but not harm the good guys mm -hmm. in the process. And so 
for me in skincare, um, I don't emphasize the antioxidant story. Let me tell you this. Antioxidants are not going to reverse aging, right? They're going to slow aging, if anything. And so I'm all about age reversal. You know, let's, let's, up <laughs> game, you know, let's set the bar a little higher. And, uh, and maybe a lot of people have already subscribed to the idea that that's not possible, but I am here to tell you, we know you can, but I'm looking at a 20 something who tells me she's 30 years older than that. So uh, I'm telling you it's possible. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's, it is. Um, yes. So it is a, uh, it's a delicate balance of how much you feed the process in the skin and how much you let the skin do its job. Mm, well said. And the concept of age reversal you know, I always wonder to myself, we spend billions and billions of dollars and have over, I don't know, all of our history as humans to learn how to fly, to have this amazing technology, but how much have we really put into reversing age-related disease or reversing cellular age right. for that matter? I mean, Dr. David Sinclair, his Australian guy, you know, I was very interested in his research way back of course, with the sirtuin genes and, and reversing age in that way. But there's so many different ways that we can actually look at this problem. And you said something so profound, which I love, and that is looking at it in a holistic way and looking at it from a wellness perspective. Because, yeah. of course, one part of the formula, one part of the equation doesn't really take care of the bigger picture. So tell us a little bit about what you mean by treating holistically, what you mean by wellness and how you incorporate that actually into your brand philosophy and formulations. Sure. Yeah. There's a few stories to go on there. Let me just say this, and I apologize if this is offensive to anybody, but I've listened to a bit of Dr. Sinclair's mm. message. And I, uh, I, I don't like one particular thing that he has said. And, okay. Hit us. Uh, we love some controversy. Here. Okay. Good. <laughs> he tells people to take the drug metformin. Mm that's a poison. Um, it literally, in one of his talks, he admits that it literally poisons the mitochondria of the cell. Now you have mitochondria in just about every cell in your body. You have a hundred trillion cells. And his argument for it is if you poison that cell, your body will make a fresh new mitochondria. I mean, that to me is like saying, Hey, take chemotherapy because all the cells that die from that, you're going to get some new ones after it. Like that. I'm telling you that message doesn't work. If you listen to him, he'll say, Oh yeah, I can only take it two or three times a week. Cause it really makes me feel bad. I'm like, hello, your body's <laughs> talking to you, Dr. Sinclair. Um, so um, that made me sort of step back on a lot of the stuff. I'm not going to go into some other things, but I will just say um, that that message on metformin, please do not listen to that message. Please do not take that drug. I have a forum of thousands of people that I help on a daily basis. And uh, that drug flags a lot of times as creating not only liver spots, uh, but, uh, you know, I skin map. So I learned like how, what, what your skin shows, uh, it tells us a lot about which organs are being damaged. And so, uh, for example, puffiness uh, of the lower eyelids is kidney damage. And um, metformin has, uh, um, on a number of occasions, been the cause of uh, less puffiness, but actually kidney dark circles. So it's literally wounding this kidney in a sort of a nasty, chronic way. Um, I don't mean to even make light of it. It's a horrible thing. But uh, it also wounds the liver. And, um, of course, it's wounding all your cells. And I just, I just hate that drug. Um, and it's, it's, it's prescribed like candy. It's kind of like today Accutane is prescribed like candy 
and that's chemotherapy as well. It's, it's, it's just absolutely poisonous to the body. Um, and, uh, people make such light of it because your body's so amazing. It can take these hits and not show you the signs of it, uh, for the most part. And, and so we don't often know, you know, our intuition gets blinded by the fact that we just trust what these, the medical doctors, the medical system is telling us. And there's just way too much trust in the current pharmaceutical based system, I'm afraid. And I don't want to say, but I want to make sure this podcast stays up. So we'll just stop there. But Oh, it's beautiful um, to hear, you know, okay. that what's important is we are a forum for discussion and uh, we don't shy away from other opinions. And I think it's important yeah. to hear the gamut of opinions. So, you know, just to know that you have thought about this, how you have researched this, it's of value to all of our listeners. Um, and then obviously everyone can go up and make up, make up their own mind. But I think yes. it's important to have those conversations and to see more importantly, how that contrasts how one theory contrasts with with your with your theory and and that's really what i want to focus on which is that wellness um, yes. because everyone's excited about that everyone is and and this is why osmosis in particular excites me so much as a brand because every time i look into a formulation or every time i look into a piece of literature that you put out i can see the intelligence in there i can see the logic, you know, it's like a light bulb goes off every time I I, I look or Thank listen you. to you speaking. And I really want to touch on that wellness part. How did yeah. you incorporate that into your into your skincare? Uh, it started early. Uh, so Osmosis was founded in 2007, and it was probably somewhere around early 2009 um, that I began the journey into wellness um but yeah it was pretty crazy that it wasn't part of my original idea and that just shows you that you have to be open to evolution but to be fair let's go back a hot second to the holistic question you asked because i totally bounced off it onto a discussion of something else and i want to i want to tell you why holistic's important um so we we use the term holistic medical because um, a lot of times people hear holistic and they think of fluffy facials and gentle formulas and lavender and rose <laughs> petals. And <Don't> they just <laughs> that is not uh, my version of holistic. So uh, holistic has a lot of uh, um, applications. One is holistic means you're looking at the whole body is it turns out. Most skin conditions come from the inside. They're not even surface level. You know, the doctors might tell you your eczema is some local reaction at the skin level. It is not. And so, and I know this because we like, have, we have a 99% success rate with eczema um, and treating uh, yeast. Yeast is the, the cause of just about every uh, eczema case out there. Um, but um, also holistic means not harming right? So you have to make sure that every ingredient, and I have like one or two products that have dimethicone in them. I'm not a fan of dimethicone, but I make sure not to use so much that it would be occlusive on the skin and then it would be harmful. And I know that it's big enough that it's not penetrating and mm -hmm. any sort of artificial presence in the skin. So, you know, when I say holistic, um, I, I, I abandoned, uh, of, I, I think I have a couple of organic products, but I abandoned organic because the, the the restrictions on formulating were just too harsh for age reversal to happen. You know, they have this limit on 5% of the ingredients and oh, by the way, they can't, they have to be an ingredient in a, in a list of ingredients. And I, if you look at my formulas, you'll know um, I'm a big fan of things that most people have never heard of. And so I, uh, I, I didn't want to be tied to that 
uh, restriction. And so I abandoned that. So, you know, I think of us as natural, but natural and skincare is oversold, uh, you know, a full disclosure, like when you get your vitamin C, it wasn't just squeezed from an orange. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was made in a lab. And so there's a lot of what we call biomimetic ingredients out there. Um, and that's just fine. Sometimes they're less stable, but they do the job. The skin receives them. They're clearly functional. Um, but natural is just always going to be a bit of a stretch. And then we use some, you know, added ingredients that, again, aren't harming the skin, uh, make the formula perform, keep it in solution, right? Keep it from separating and all those things. Um, so those, there's some of those must adds. I, I would love it. It was just a straight bunch of plant extracts and uh, some phosphatidylcholine and water. <laughs> and, um, but no, there has to be a little bit more than that. And everything has to have a preservative system. So um, all of that uh, is another form of holistic, a non-trauma, non-toxic formula. And then holistic in that it works with the body. So, uh, and that's really where your question was targeted. And what I would say to that is, in my journey, I have learned what a lot of the different actual causes of skin conditions are. And we can quickly go through those. I know we only have an hour and this is, would probably have to be an all-day podcast, but uh, let's just go with aging. So the number one cause of aging skin is a decline of circulation. And that happens around age 25, just like we always talk about how collagen starts thinning at age 25. And why does collagen start uh, underperforming at age 25? Because you have less circulation. We talk about the lack of growth factors starting around that time. And why do we have fewer growth factors? Because of lack of circulation. Why does the wound healing slow down? Well, <clears throat> the other really interesting one that a lot of estheticians haven't, I think, thought much about, and I was really struggling with it in the beginning because uh, this idea of exfoliation, of course, is, you know, you're either pro exfoliation or you're, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm glad the movement is growing on my side, which is forced uh, <laughs> exfoliation. But just know we're all sitting around right now and our skin's exfoliating naturally. And the only question is, is it exfoliating at a, the, the um, sort of predetermined happy amount of 30 days uh, to, for your entire epidermis to uh, turn over? Or is it going slower than that? And what determines how fast you exfoliate is how much circulation you have in your skin. <laughs> and so um, when we talk about, you know, oh, is your skin slowed down to a 40-day turnover cycle? I can do the math for you. If you lose 1% of your circulation every year and you go to 25 to 50, you now have 25% less circulation in your skin at 50. And then you would say, okay, the epidermis has to gather the goodies from the dermal, you know, layers and the circulation feeds them up to the epidermis. There's no blood flow in the epidermis of its own. And so that process of gathering and feeding the epidermis is wholly dependent on the circulation. So when it's short of nutrients, it's going to slow down to make sure you don't have holes in your barrier. It's going to slow down so that it is a complete and healthy barrier. And so it's doing it uh, the same way if you were to starve the rest of your body, you'll notice that a lot of the activities start shutting down to make sure the critical activities keep going. So it's, your body moves into this mode of conservation very intentionally. And so the idea that we would then go in and say, oh, you've slowed down skin. Let me burn off the top of your, your uh, protective barrier that you just spent 30 days building. And... Um, force you to go faster and because it will, right? It will because 
the skin sees that as an emergency. It knows that an intact barrier, it keeps you from infection, dehydration, and uh, I guess more, and I don't think it's as caught up in aging as we would like it to believe, but you know, it's, it's mainly survival mode, right? And so it's like, whoa, intact barrier, critical to survivability. So we're gonna replace what you just took off and we wanna do it in a hurry. We don't like that it's exposed. And so you do cause the skin to rush. But what people have to get into their brain is when you rush the dermis, the dermis is going to do less maintenance on, on those collagen layers that are the critical aging collagen layers of the skin. You only have so many fibroblasts. Those fibroblasts have, uh, are going to have to redirect to uh, rebuild whatever collagen is needed in that epidermal repair process. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, well, yeah, but you know, we want to make the epidermis young too. I'm like, I'm much younger than 30 days young. That's pretty young. You know, you don't, <laughs> you don't need to focus on that. So that's the concept of holistic is recognizing that the skin is always operating intelligently. Uh, you don't need to wound it in order to make it act correctly. Uh, you need to identify where the shortages are. Um, so a lot of my formulas, for example, focus on rebuilding blood vessels in the skin permanently. And that is, you know, just something a lot, a lot of people don't think, uh, I guess is possible. I don't know. Like I've, you know, uh, many of my ingredients have, uh, you know, clinical evidence that they, they cause new blood vessel formation. Yeah. Increasing circulation in the skin. And that is all in the body, really. That is something that honestly, I haven't had many conversations about on this podcast or in the skincare world. It is, uh, it is mind-blowing that it is not talked about more um and it is just deviating slightly one of one of the treatments one of my most preferred treatments in my clinic is low-level laser therapy hence why it it really helps to enhance and correct the you know cellular function but also it does help to increase circulation in the skin which ironically um is one of the reasons why um, people say to me, oh, you know, how do you keep your skin so so um, healthy and looking so young? Yeah, that's one of the reasons why, because I make sure that I have that circulation having the skin. Obviously, I do it via treatments and a little bit via skincare, but your whole premise, well, not your whole premise, but a big part of your premise is doing it through skincare. Wow, mind-blowing. Yeah, and honestly, if you look at LED, you know, I, I uh, used to subscribe to the idea that the fibroblast had some special little spot waiting for 692 nanometer wavelength to tickle it, <laughs> tell it to make collagen, but that wasn't it. It's when you apply that, that, that wavelength of light heats up blood vessels, dilates the blood vessels, feeds the collagen making process. So um, even LED isn't about uh, uh, light therapy. It's it's really heat therapy. And honestly, I, I'm I, you know what? I'm just talking myself into creating like a, uh, an infrared heat mask that you just leave on your face for, you know, and just let your skin uh, heat up and, you know, not too much, but enough not too to much heating it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just that mild heat, especially that comes from the, the, the laser part of it, not even the LED is great too, the, the, the low level laser part of it that stimulates that, you know, hormesis in the skin, like it just, the light bulbs are going off in my head now. I'd love to know which ingredients you, you know, just give us a couple of little yeah. ingredient tidbits that, that do that in your formulas. I'm just texting my employee. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make that. Uh, so thank you for helping inspire. <laughs> um, so uh, one of my favorites 
is a chlorella. Chlorella, not an often used ingredient. Uh, everyone knows it for its benefits taken internally. Um, it actually has UVB protective qualities. Uh, it has, uh, you know, is clinical showing it stimulates collagen and elastin. But, you know, I, no one really kind of got, well, how does it do that? But that's the other piece of it is it stimulates new blood vessel formation. And um, so one of my absolute favorites, you know, people don't realize like fibroblasts come and go. Like fibroblasts don't just disappear from your skin because they get tired. You know, fibroblasts disappear from your skin because they're no longer have the rivers of blood flow needed for them to keep functioning. So they disappear because like, what else am I going to do here? You know, I don't, you know, they, they don't just go that way. So, so rebuilding uh, blood vessels has all these side benefits, you know, more fibroblasts, uh, more nutrients, more um, minerals and enzymes and peptides and cytokines. And um, so chlorella is one of my favorites. Everyone deserves a skincare experience that not only promotes healthy skin, but inspires permanent results. This is Beauty Uncompromised. Over 12 years ago, innovative founder Ben Johnson, MD, created non-toxic skincare products and treatments that combine the purity of naturally sourced ingredients with revolutionary doctor-developed and scientifically validated formulas that deliver on his promise of permanent change. Osmosis Beauty is revolutionizing skincare their patented, exclusive skincare and wellness technology holistically restores the skin's youthful appearance, producing exceptional results for aging, rosacea and acne-prone skin. Their unique philosophy is based on analysing the skin and body as a whole, treating skin concerns at the source to restore beauty and wellness. With this deep understanding, Combined with clinical trials and before and after analysis, they are leading skincare into a whole new paradigm. How can osmosis benefit your business? To learn more, visit www.osmosisskincare.com.au today. You know, retinaldehyde, when you study uh, the vitamin A's, A's got a, uh, they've, they've studied uh, the gene activation sequences that it triggers, and they're fantastic. And so retinaldehyde has its own um, sort of, uh, I guess it's probably more direct than indirect. I was going to say indirect, but uh, a vascular stimulating uh, quality to it. And then uh, we'll go into the the stem cell fibroblast growth factor world. And you can talk about things like vascular endothelial growth factor. Um, that is uh, really only something you can do by farming stem cells and fibroblasts and uh, extracting their growth factors that they make. And there's a handful of uh, like hepatocyte growth factor, believe it or not, <clears throat> works on the skin as well, uh, all in this effort to rebuild the blood vessels of the skin. So pathways are fascinating. And I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that uh, I bet some of the listeners are going, oh, whoa, 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 Dr. Johnson, that's dangerous territory because uh, one of the things we know about cancer cells is they also have blood vessel stimulating growth factors. And what about the risk of, uh, you know, potentiating skin cancer from this strategy? And what I would tell you is, 
if you keep the skin's immune system at a high functioning level, it's going to do the same job it always did. It's not like just because we're young. In fact, what do we know about our young skin? Tons of blood flow, no cancer, right? Uh, for the most part, right? A few exceptions, but tons of blood flow, no cancer. So we know blood flow on its own is not the problem. The problem is an imbalance. And where in skincare we saw this uh, was with uh, FGF, fibroblast growth factor, uh, when they put it on, uh, why do I think it's not FGF and it's one of the other growth factors? EGF, epidermal growth factor. I, I, anyone who's listening to this who was in my class yesterday, I apologize. I, I just remembered now. So EGF, and you know, there were these brands coming out with EGF as the skincare theme. And what they found is when you put EGF on the cancer cells, it makes them grow faster. So wow. it's a dangerous little thing. Well, so we wanted to make sure with our stem cell fibroblast growth factor serum called stem factor, we wanted to make sure that uh, it was safe. So we put it on malignant melanoma cells, the most dangerous of the skin cancer cells, and it slowed the progression of the cancer cells. And people might ask, well, how does that make sense? It's not a treatment for cancer. I wish it was that, but it does, it does, it does the opposite of uh, making them more dangerous. And the answer is because stem cells also make cancer fighting growth factors and they make a lot of them. And so the balance of presenting a full complement of growth factors, as opposed to just putting EGF on your face makes all the difference in the world. Um, and that's why it's safe. Wow. And you have labs that you obviously work yeah. from and in. You do your own clinical testing or do you send that out or? Yeah, we, we uh, independent testing. Like, you know, that's what people demand and they should demand. So we always are doing independent testing. But that was a lab partner who did that testing on melanoma. That, that, that helped convince us that he was the right lab partner to work it with. Um, so yeah, it's not always uh, our direct efforts on those. Let's hop over to, yeah, you, you touch on skin concerns, obviously, throughout our discussion and acne has been brought up a couple of times and so has rosacea. Yeah. Let's dive into those skin concerns. You've got an interesting philosophy, of course, backed by science about acne. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes and no, backed by science, because if you read the literature on, on, on acne, these days they kind of started leading more towards acne as an inflammatory condition and not an infectious condition, mm. but they're always sort of falling back on two fallacies. And one is that the P. acnes bacteria starts gobbling up oil and starts procreating all over the place. And next thing you know, uh, you're getting these semi-random spots in these places. And the reason why uh, that's a fallacy, because that isn't actually the problem. There isn't an infection going on. Uh, but the other one that's really was fascinating to me is when I found the study that showed that there is no such thing as a sebum plug. There is no, the skin never actually fully plugs. There's a, there's no uh, accumulation of oil. And as you know, like when, when we look at the skin of many of our acne clients, they're not oily. Oil is not a part of the picture at all. So what I learned was uh, first I had to go to that point and go, okay, wait, if it's not that, then what is it? Why is it that most of the time when people get acne, it shows up on the same side of the face on, but on two different sides of the face, because think about it. If it were an infection, how bizarre is it that you got an infection over here and somehow you got an identically located infection <laughs> in the opposite cheek or forehead or temple or where that makes no sense. In fact, you'd almost, if you, if the odds makers were involved, they tell you that's a one in a million possibility that it would end up in an identical spot on the other side of the face when it's this random infection that just happened. 
So my point of the story is to say, if people put a little bit more logical reasoning behind it and quit mm-hmm. just accepting what they're being told, because guess what? When it's an infection, the pharmaceutical company is having a prescription for you. And now you see where the, 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 the bias starts showing up in all this all these studies is there's always a, a prescription behind it, a, an FDA plan to, of approval for something uh, that, you know, makes our healthcare uh, ridiculously expensive. So, so then I began to explore, okay, what's happening. I eventually started tying acne a lot to digestive activity. And then I realized at uh, some point in the game, I can't even remember when uh, I had my epiphany, but it's relatively early. Let's say it was like 2010 um, that uh, candida Candida in the microbiome causes most acne um, on the face. So it's not a yeast infection of the face. It's a yeast infection of the gut. Um, yeast infections occur from a few stimuli. Dairy is a big one because it creates a mucus layer that promotes yeast. Um, uh, fried food is a big one because it creates a mucus layer that promotes yeast. Sugar, of course, we all know, stimulates candida and yeast. And then progesterone, a little known subtle player in the game is also a trigger for yeast. And this will explain for a lot of women why they start breaking out in that last week of their cycle because progesterone's on the rise. And um, it also explains why women get yeast infections during pregnancy because their progesterone's up high. And um, anyway, we could go deep on that, but just understand that when candida turns into let's just say a negative version of itself, which is basically what happens in the presence of sugar and, and uh, mucus. Mm-hmm. It uh, releases toxins, go, they go into the bloodstream. And for reasons that you know we don't know, it goes to zones on the face based on what zone in the digestive tract the candida is located. And um, so I've mapped the face accordingly, you know, like the nose is the esophagus, uh, the two sides of the nose are the small intestine, and then the large intestine is basically the outer cheeks, the forehead, and around the mouth. And so when you start looking at it from that perspective, it's really fun because you then you notice how many people come in with that pattern exactly. Like they've got candida in all those little spots. They're not getting acne in their eyes or right below their eyes. They're not, you know, typically getting acne uh, right under their nostrils because that's the stomach zone and there's no candida in your stomach. And so as a result of understanding that, I came up with a treatment for candida. And then I noticed that certain zones were still breaking out. It's like, huh, what's, what's, why is this space on the face behaving differently? And uh, the first one I noticed was uh, where hormonal acne is. So that's the jawline. And so I was looking at what in their environment would be causing that and uh, trying to figure out if, if the candida toxins are one, I assumed it was a toxin. So I kept looking for toxins and I learned over time that it's preservatives in our foods uh, that mimic estrogen. So we call them xenoestrogen. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah. yes, of course. And um, there, that's what comes out of your jawline acne. And the reason why we call it hormonal is because it usually shows up uh, right after ovulation. And it shows up when, the, when estrogen uh, peaks uh, during that part of your cycle. And, and if you have it bad enough, it's of course can uh, be showing up all throughout the month. I'm just saying, uh, it, I think it got its famous name of hormonal acne from that kind of behavior. And it is hormonal in the sense that these are hormone toxins coming out of the jawline. Mm-hmm. Well, then I kept going and I looked a little bit farther down than on, on the neck. 
And I was like, what's happening with these people on the neck? What's the common theme? And uh, over time, I recognized that the biggest uh, people struggling with acne on their neck were um, either uh, eating a lot of fruits and vegetables or they were on farms. And so uh, I finally realized this was an estrogenic pesticide problem. So pesticides mm -hmm. come out on the neck, both front and back. And if you have acne into the scalp, it's also coming out in the scalp. And then, like, you know, this problem is coming up all over the place, and that is acne on the chest and back. And I kept trying to find the link on that and finally realized that was chlorine. Chlorine in our tap water is the number one source of acne on the chest and back. So with all those realizations, I began formulating products that had addressed, so basically bound and removed these toxins from the body. And um, the acne cleared when I did it. So I was like, oh, I must be right. <laughs> and so um, uh, I've had a lot of fun with that because one of the, my favorite aspects of acne is empowering our clients and patients to be in control. Because how frustrating is it for them? They're like, I am eating so clean right now. Why is my face breaking out? Or I eat the same food as my brother or my friends and their skin's mm -hmm. not breaking out. What's happening here? And, you know, you just kind of have to walk them through. This is how you got here. Usually it's an accumulation. So you don't realize, even though you're eating the same foods now, you you ate a, got a lot of exposure before this that maybe. Absolutely. Right. Maybe you got had you had several rounds of antibiotics when you were younger for, for ear infections, which, by the way, ear infections caused by candida. And um, you and so now your gut is all compromised. And so but now that they know this. And that they can go, oh, I really do want to eat that ice cream, but I know that's going to give me acne. Or I really do want, uh, you know, a little known cause of jawline acne is pea protein. So um, I'm oftentimes making sure that these people aren't supplementing pea protein because 99% of pea protein out there has these toxins in it, which also cause cysts on the ovary, by the way. So that's then it got kind of crazy because once I started going in, I was going source crazy and I was like, well, what causes rashes under the armpits? Oh, wow. I mean, I learned that was mold. You know, uh, what about acne on the lower back? Mold, you know, and then what causes psoriasis? Oh, it's a different form of candida, you know, and, and uh, seborrheic dermatitis, candida, sebaceous hyperplasia, candida. And there's so many strains of candida that each one puts a different toxin out that the skin reacts to in a different way. But the good news is I became so anti-candida in my approach, I I really became up with good formulas. Like I invented the first ever mucus melt uh, to melt the mucus out of your body because you uh, have. Is to this an internal internal yes. supplement? Yes. Sign me up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think and Dr. Ben, you have having pea protein. I ordered organic pure pea protein. Um, of course, wanting to be on a you know health kick. Well, I think you've maybe have saved quite a few people from going down that path. I, you know, and I and I feel for the companies that because most companies don't know that these estrogenic toxins are there. And so, yeah, you know, and you might have noticed you you're and usually it's a, in pockets. No one can see us today, but uh, it's in pockets just outside the center chin, sort of at a nine o'clock to your mouth is uh, the like the common zone for pea protein to show up that toxin and and they don't list it on the label i can't tell you to go to labels and read it because you know it's put apparently in pea protein somewhere in the process where they don't have to list that's the true thing about by the way most food preservatives are not listed on the label i wish it was easy so i have to give people a general guide like 
Try not to eat food that has a long shelf life. Try not to eat fast food because fast food is the reason. Fast food's a classic uh, for causing people's skin to blow up everywhere, right? And that's because it's mucus forming, candida promoting, preservative laden food. Some of the worst food in the world, right? So yeah, it's a, it's a fun uh, journey, you know, and I encourage people to go find, uh, I think you can even Google osmosis skin mapping and pull up the images online and see um, how we identify the organs and where we identify the organs. What's another point? Oh, one of my favorite things to teach people about now is that blackheads are not dirt sebum things. It's mucus. And things. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know how to describe it because they, they think they're just getting dirty somehow. And they'll come out of it like, like the listeners might do this amazing extraction, clear their skin all up, and they call them up the next day and like, it's back. All these blackheads are back. Like what is going on? And the answer is if you have mucus in your gut and uh, so your nose is your esophagus. So if you get mucus in your esophagus, um, you'll have blackheads on your nose. If you have mucus in your small intestine, you'll have blackheads on either side of your nose. And um, those are the most common zones for mucus accumulation. And those, when we, as we know from extractions, we know those are the most common spots. Mm -hmm. And it's, isn't it funny that in skincare, we use the term congested skin. And that means literally mucus is coming out through your uh, pores. And we talk about the sinuses as being congested uh, with mucus as well. So in our own way, we already knew the link, but I'm here to tell you it is a fact. Mm. it's a lot of intuition as well and I love the uh, further back in the conversation you were talking about we ignore our intuition yeah. um, and we go with what we're told you know this can help you build muscle and this can help you do this and mega dose oh. this and mega dose that intuitively you know well actually our bodies are probably not supposed to consume all of that um, but we still get misled down the garden path look how how, uh, how our kids thrive and I was trying to explain in the class yesterday and I know this is going to come off and people are like, oh, that, that just can't be right. But we put so much attention on, you better get your daily serving of fruits or vegetables. But I'm here to tell you that the, the decent, I mean, it's definitely a benefit, the, the enzymes, the antioxidants, uh, the amino acids. Yes. Okay. It's, it's a nice product. Uh, uh, you know, we know that they can be healthy for the body, but if they're full of pesticides, you've yes. got net negative event happening. And so you're better off eating something that's, uh, you know, way more bland, like uh, organic meat patty than a, a vegetable uh, gourmet meal, if that vegetable gourmet meal is not organic. And so, you know, that's a hard one for people to get their minds around. Um, but I remind them, because I do have four kids, that our kids, as much as we didn't want it to happen, grew up on a lot of pizza and chicken fingers because they wouldn't eat anything else and you just wanted them to eat something and yet they were thriving throughout all of that their body figured out how to extract what it needed from that and so i just want to remind everybody you 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 know none of our kids needed all the vitamins and and the supplements we think we need today and, and it's an upside down world so let me give you two examples of an upside down world most magnesium is bad for your gut and most people take magnesium to help their gut. It's an upside down world. So why is it bad for your gut? Because magnesium citrate causes mucus and magnesium hydroxide causes liver damage. So magnesium hydroxide will cause liver spots. Liver spots are literally from liver damage. And um, magnesium uh, citrate, magnesium, uh, almost all uh, magnesium oxide 
is uh, super damaging to your microbiome. Um, and the reason why people take them is because when you wound your microbiome, fluid happens. And what does fluid do? Well, it keeps the regularity going, but you're actually hurting your gut to make it more regular. And the long term, that's that's a net uh, no no. Um, another one that just drives me crazy is probiotics. So let me give you my 20 second take on that. Um, when you're zero to two, the, the medical literature says is when you, your microbiome develops. And what's so crazy about it is they say it comes from uh, the foods that you eat. So most people would say, well, if I'm breastfeeding, of course, it comes from my mom's uh, breast milk, of course, there's going to be probiotics in my mom's milk, and there absolutely are probiotics in the mom's breast milk. However, your mom's microbiome is actually distinctly different than yours. So that makes no sense. And, and then all the women who uh, couldn't breastfeed or chose not to breastfeed and put their kids on Infamil and Gerber baby food, none of that stuff has any of the exotic bacteria that are in our microbiome. So my point is to say it didn't come from the food. Your microbiome comes from your DNA. Your DNA programs your bug population based on how you were designed um, from the ground up. And that makes the most sense. You know, where our body is made up of a majority of bacteria and they all are functioning on our behalf. So there's no way you could just, you know, you could almost call it random infection model is what the science proposes right now, that these random bugs that infected your body somehow aligned with each other and figured out how to make your system work as amazingly as it does. It's a silly concept when I say it that way, right? And so this idea of probiotics is a false uh, idea. And in fact, clinical studies show that if you take probiotics versus taking nothing, you recover slower uh, on probiotics after antibiotic therapy. So why did that show that? Because your bugs are very unique. They're not going to be found on a store shelf. Um, I spent uh, uh, over a year trying to formulate, before I realized this concept, a, a, a probiotic therapy with all the research strains that they have out there, trying to figure out how I was going to convince the labs to give me those strains. And before I had the epiphany, I'm like, oh no, we can't do that. So prebiotic is the only way to make your gut health come back. And I have found that combination for us of sea buckthorn oil, seed, fruit, and pulp, a very specific combination is the best uh, prebiotic uh, in the world. So, but my point is also to say that probiotics, people are taking them, trying to make their gut healthier and they're mm. actually making their gut less healthy. Wow, Dr. Ben, you just blew my mind. I am definitely going to go off and do some research. I think a lot of the listeners yes. today are, are probably sitting there going, what did he just say? What? I know. Probiotics <laughs> is like the staple of conversation today, isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I've got another couple of questions for you. I, yeah. I want to know, we're talking about osmosis skincare. How did you come up with the name osmosis? Osmosis, it's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. I don't know what the meaning was, but I'm, I'm trying, you were talking and I'm like, I'm trying to extrapolate. It could mean so much. Right. I mean, osmosis describes this, this movement between mm. a concentrated uh, zone or cellular area and to, uh, uh, well, it's really the movement of fluid into a more concentrated zone. But That's the right. idea was that if I put a concentration of uh, ingredients on the surfaces of skin. And we can speak for a second on that. My formulation philosophy is very different. Um, and some people get taken aback when they first start using my serums because they're like, whoa, uh, that is a bit colorful for me. <laughs> you know? uh, and it looks kind of tacky, like what's going on here? And the whole idea was you can only put so many serums on your face every morning and every night. 
Mm -hmm. uh, once you get past, in my mind, three serums, uh, everything after that is got a, a, a very slim chance of working its way past all Agreed. the other pills to get to a place where it might penetrate. So understanding that I focused the serums on what tolerances each of them had for having other ingredients around them, you know, which ones were water soluble, which ones were not. And I, you know, I comprised uh, basically the big four. And I know I just said three serums, but the fourth serum is my very light, very um, like it, it only contains uh, 600 different types of growth factors and cytokines. It's called stem factor. So you put that on first and, <laughs> and it doesn't really interfere with these other serums. And then my, my, my formulating model was how many ingredients can I get in before the lab tells me there's not enough water for this to even stir in the bowl, you know? And so that's basically what I did is I pushed the limit on the max amount of uh, ingredients in each formula and with, with no regard to, you know, the cost, to be honest, with no regard to the, you know, I was like, tell, show me what this is going to look like. These are the ingredients that are perfectly worked together. And, and we did have to do a couple of reformulations, not going to lie. Like catalyst is a crazy uh, formula, but we, you know, but that was the beginning of the concept. And it was simply that I have to try to get everything into a smaller amount of serums because I want people to have all of this. And if mm -hmm. I could put it all into one bottle, I would have done that. But um, each of these have their own unique reactivity. And so between the three, uh, it, it, well, I guess between these four, um, which for me are Stem Factor, Rescue, Renew, and Catalyst. So it's an A serum, a C serum, a Growth Factor serum, and then my uh, patented uh, trioxalane serum, uh, which is the number one seller in Australia. It's a been, been a big hit. And, you know, we probably don't have time today to talk about that. But, but anyway, so formulating that way allowed me to get uh, the most out of your skin. Mm -hmm. And uh, it actually make it, it makes it more affordable because obviously like if I split those two in half, you know, it, it doesn't work that way. You, you, you can, the more you can put into one bottle, the more affordable that collection of ingredients will will be you obviously know um, which is the meaningful part of it and osmosis means you know the process of uh, gradual or sort of unconscious assimilation of ideas and knowledge so that's in the other meaning of osmosis and when you well, were speaking I was gradually assimilating and yes. opening my mind up to different concepts. So it's a very that smart is, word to use for your it, skincare brand. It is. I can't say when I first came up with it, that was the plan. It was the first plan. It was the first really? plan was what I, yeah, it was more about the concentration of uh, moving a uh, concentration of ingredients into the skin. Um, and so the fact that it fits perfectly with where we've uh, become and evolved to uh, it just puts a smile on my face. Actually, oh, it's your brand philosophy. I mean, over time, yeah. it's developed, and it's it it's a gradual learning, and then you know, um, dissemination of those ideas into you know the industry and the public. And I think we're definitely we're all better off for it. I know that I am listening to you. Give us your thoughts on inflammation, also chronic uncontrolled inflammation versus normal needed inflammatory processes how does inflammation factor into your philosophy or does it at all yeah listen it it's an upside down concept again uh it's one of my favorite stories to tell because when you're when your listeners hear this i i think they're going to really appreciate it and and i want to start off by telling you that 
all inflammation is good. The analogy I'm going to start with, and then I'll explain where I'm coming from, is when you sprain your knee in, uh, let's say you're doing an athletic event and someone sprains their knee, the act of spraining the knee is a tear in the ligament. That is the trauma. The response that your knee gives is to send as much circulation of goodies as it possibly can to heal that tear in the ligament as fast as it can, but as complete as it can. Like, in other words, I'm going to give it the absolute best repair and I'll do that as fast as I can, but I'm not going to rush it and compromise the best healing response. Mm -hmm. What we are told when we go to the doctor or, you know, by our physiotherapist is, oh, you better ice that swollen knee because that's bad inflammation. Um, and the same concept we talked about earlier, where it's like, oh, you got a fever, you better drop that fever mm -hmm. down. That's bad. And the answer to that is your body is so intelligent that when trauma happens, it is doing an AI level. Now, you know, we have all this AI conversation these days. <laughs> Your cells are running on AI consciousness. Literally, uh, there's, there's a consciousness stream. My personal philosophy is this divine consciousness stream that your cells tap into and they are running an AI. That's why they're so quick to respond to every new thing. You know, we talk about, you know, the, the pandemic we recently had and the, uh, the, how well kids did when exposed to the virus. Why was that? Because when they had all the tools in their arsenal, the AI system goes, I've never seen this crazy virus before, disable it, and it does it brilliantly, right? And so, yes, it's true. As we get older, we lose some of those tools. And even though the AI wants to do something, it may not always be able to. But my point is to say, trust me when you I say trust your body. And when your body swells up, it's swelling up because it wants to immobilize the area. Why does it want to immobilize your knee? Because if you move your knee with a tear, you're going to tear it more. I get, it's so intelligent, everything about it. And we're like, oh, I can't walk. I need to really take some aspirin. Well, what does aspirin do? Aspirin interferes with the repair process. you know. And so all these ideas of inflammation are wrong. And so then let's get to uh, autoimmune disease is another one, like a chronic inflammatory disease. Let's say like mm. fibromyalgia. Well, fibromyalgia is an accumulation of damage uh, that results from a virus. It's called mm -hmm. Epstein-Barr virus. And so is the inflammation the problem with fibromyalgia? No, it's actually repair activity. All inflammation is repair activity. And so what's happening is this virus is wreaking havoc in your muscles, uh, maybe in your joints in this particular condition. And this is true in every process of the body. So when, let's go to the acne. Uh, the inflammation and acne that doctors want to inject with steroids or, uh, you know, give you some uh, acid or steroid or antibiotic that suppress immune repair activity, which leads everyone, listen, please, to more scarring. Mm -hmm. Acne is a potential scar in action. Anything you do to suppress the immune system uh, is going to make a scar risk higher. And so that's really what you're trying to avoid most is I don't want any long-term, I don't want this acne lesion to haunt this client for the next 50 years of their life. So my point is to say, you want the process of repair to go on. When you are talking about acne, I want you to imagine that a little poison has been sent up to the skin to get rid of it through the follicle. It's like, you remember how we always learned skin is a detox organ? But they never ever told us when the skin was actually doing that detox. <laughs> you know, they don't they don't remind us that every day through your sebum, through your follicles, through the shedding of your skin, sometimes you're literally shedding out the toxins. Your skin is a detox organ. So this toxin comes up to the follicle. The follicle is like, ooh, 
this one's kind of nasty on the way out. Let's let's do some work on it to make it, let's like break it down. And so the process of breaking down that toxin, if there's enough toxins, looks like a big cyst. Uh, if there's not that many toxins, it looks like a little whitehead. And so that is inflammation by one person's viewpoint. By my viewpoint, it's a detoxification process. And so I don't want to interfere with it. I want to help accelerate it. And so that's where, look, that's a holistic perspective that it gives you another example of our osmosis philosophy. Wow. I think there's more to say on this topic. So I am going to commit you to coming back. Done deal. Amazing. I just want to thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you and having our minds open to different concepts and philosophies. And you are right. You are a very effective speaker, very charming to listen to. And I'm sure that more and more listeners are going to check out your brand. So thank you so much again, Dr. Ben. Well, thank you for having me. I think you guys have an amazing organization. I've already heard how you're uh, even uh, making inroads on on the political side to give more power to the esthetician and to make them all better at their craft so that uh, they play a more important role. Uh, So we're grateful for that you guys are around and I really appreciate you having me today. You've reached the end of another episode of the Beauté by ABIC podcast, your online support community for the aesthetic and beauty industry. Thank you for listening. And until next time, stay connected.